special Sunday edition of the Michael Deacon program reporting to you live from the wastelands of California. I once again look very forward to serving you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners out there, it's a pleasure to meet you. Please enjoy my euphonious way of speaking to all of you. Don't enjoy me too much though. They'll get rid of me. Keep that in mind. Joining us tonight is Mr. Brad Olson, and he is currently waiting on the line. I would do the intro for him here, but I don't want him to wait around too long. Brad, how are you? Hey, Michael. I'm doing great tonight up here in the northern part of the California wasteland. You're way up there. (laughs) The colder part of California. Oh, it is today. We're getting the uh, June gloom a little bit early foggy on the coast today in Santa Cruz. I like that though. I kind of, you know, I kind of like that sort of weather. Not so bad. Since, you know, I'm out here in the desert, it's it's hot, it's it's humid. It's not so great all the time. (laughs) Cools things off, that's for sure. And good opportunity to get work done and do a lot of interviews as I've been doing today. It's been a busy weekend for me. Oh, yeah. Before we even got on the air here, I was just wondering, how the hell do you do it, Brad? Just lots of coffee? What's going on? I'm not quite sure how you're able to sort of pump these interviews out there so often. Uh, Sometimes I get more articulate when it's one after another. I just get my talk on and just keep them going. I was on late night, coast to coast AM, midnight to 2 AM. Slept till 11, got up and jumped in and did a uh, online conference and even did another interview, a pre-record right before this one. So just get my talking mouth on and bang them out. But uh, when you asked if I could be on the Michael Deacon program, I jumped at the opportunity. I always like talking with you, Michael. I appreciate that. Wow. Very nice. And yes, did you enjoy the uh, interview last night you did on Coast? How, How did that go? Well, that went great. It was my first time with Connie Willis. She's a great host. Uh, She wanted to do a deep dive into Antarctica, Ah. which I was – I went down to Antarctica about two and a half years ago. As far as I know, I'm one of the only researchers in this field that went down there with the expressed reason of looking into all the uh, many anomalies that we've heard exist down there and uh, found a few. Didn't find others, but the uh, interview went great last night. She texted me this morning, said it was really fine, and producers thought it was good. And All's well that ends well. Very nice. Everything turned out great. And, of course, Brad owns a publishing company, and he also, of course, is a respected author. His books have reached a wide audience across the nation and has won 
numerous awards and all across the round earth. I, I'm just saying that to entice the flat earthers. <laughs> Since I'm going to bring that up in, in a little bit here. Yeah, well, you know how that goes. Problem. <laughs> I have a reply. Yes, and of course, you have appeared on dozens of uh, television shows and, of course, radio shows for a long, long time now. And I really appreciate you being here and spending some uh, more time with us here, Brad. We're going to get to know each other here tonight. Yeah, and you say you may even bring up some stuff that you went through that you normally never share with your audience. So, hey, if you want to do that, I'd be all ears to hear. I'm terrified, Brad. I I don't even want to go there, but I just might. Well, up to you. I have to share, Whatever though. I might do it. But yes, once again, thank you so much for being here, Brad. You were just on a few months ago, and, you know, there's no shortage of topics here on my mind. And, of course, we will take a deep dive here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but my goodness, um, Brad, after all these years of exploring and traveling around, has there been, um, let's say, a specific place or thing that has stuck out in your mind uh, so much that, you know, you don't often get to uh, share with anyone? Wow, that's a great question. Indeed, I've been to all seven continents now. I've been around the world following basically a equatorial path, going country to country, overland as much as I could. But, of course, you have to fly from time to time to get over large bodies of water. And I've also been up to within a couple degrees of the Arctic Circle when I went to Trondheim, Norway, and on my Antarctica trip, I made it to within one degree of the Antarctic Circle. And boy, won't you know, it's cold when you go up to the northern and southern extremities and quite warm when you're traveling around the equator. So I'd have to say that I'm confident in saying that the Earth is a globe. have to... Uh, Say that for all of our uh, flat earther friends out there. Uh, it's just one of those things when you have traveled around the world and as extensively as I have, and you go one direction around the world and end up in the same place. Well, <clears throat> that's not a plane, that's a globe. Well, now that you have opened the floodgates, Brad, expect emails from flat earthers all around the world. Get that? All around the world. Uh, okay. I'll uh, entertain it for a little while, but basically, uh, I've been to Antarctica, look, and when they say, oh, you'll reach a ice wall. No, I didn't. I reached the continental landmass of the fifth largest continent of the world. Uh, maybe they're confusing some of the ice shelves, like the Larsen or Ross ice shelf with an ice wall, but I can assure you it's a continent down there and it is a landmass and it can be circumnavigated such as what Captain Cook did in the late 18th century when he circumnavigated Antarctica without even touching land or seeing the continent. The continent of Antarctica wasn't discovered until the uh, 1820s, so just uh, a little over 200 years ago first sighting of this continent. But what's interesting, Michael, is yeah. in my presentation that I give that this land had been known uh, in the Piri Reese map, which shows islands under the ice, which is now 
finally being understood that they exist. And every year as portions of Antarctica warm up and the ice is receding in certain areas, new islands indeed are being discovered down there. But what's interesting is I lead my presentation with a map from NASA, which came out a few years ago, that shows other areas of Antarctica that are actually getting colder and increasing in ice mass. So somehow Mother Nature has this way of knowing that when some areas warm up and melt ice, other areas cool down and increase in ice. It's probably why we haven't seen Miami Beach going underwater or sea level rises uh, rising dramatically. And I'm just one mile from the beach here uh, at the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, and it's not underwater either. In fact, there is no discernible sea level rise here in the Pacific. Understood. And of course, I know you recall when the uh, world leaders went out there. Mm -hmm. Um, did we ever get a tangible answer as to why they were out there for whatever reason? Oh, there's always cover stories as to why they go down there. Uh, John Kerry was a climate champion going down there to somehow save the world by going, but he disappeared for several days after they landed at McMurdo. What I found the most interesting is the Patriarch Krill the leader of the Eastern Orthodox Church, who had just recently met Pope Francis right before his trip, the first time that's ever happened in many years, where the Eastern and Western heads of the church met. Usually they're quite uh, on each other as being uh, not the true prophet. Well, Patriarch Krill, he goes down there right after an armada of Russian ships left uh, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And this was right around the time in 2015. I'm sure if you remember when a crane fell over in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, killed some people. And a few days later, there was the big stampede of people where hundreds of people died. That's the cover story again. But the alternative narrative of what really happened in Saudi Arabia and why the Russian fleet was there was to collect this Ark of Gabriel. And indeed, it's in the historic record. These Russian ships left Saudi Arabia and made a beeline straight down to Antarctica, where they deposited this Ark of Gabriel into an old Nazi German base which is pretty interesting oh in and of itself. And then you have the Patriarch Krill going down there to bless this uh, chapel about the size of a walk-in closet. This elderly man making a very difficult journey. And I'll tell you, there is a barrier of entry to go to Antarctica, Michael, that it's a very stormy seas if you're going by boat, and it can also be a very rocky flight if flying in. And so this little frail old man, he goes down there to bless a chapel. but I think it had something to do with this Ark of Gabriel being deposited down there. Yeah, it doesn't exactly sound like a journey I want to take myself, Brad. I hate the cold weather, so, you know, I would freeze to death. Uh, you'd say that's kind of one of the misconceptions that it is always really cold. Yes, it is indeed very cold. 
But there were two days where it was warm enough that we were up on You're the okay. deck of our sailboat, yeah. just in our bathing suits, and did the polar plunge as well. Ah, uh, well, Brad, you're used to it. You know, you're way up there in Northern California. You know, you're kind of used to the cold. You know, I'm way out here in the desert. Desert rat. Might die. It's different climate. Oh, yeah. But I, I would probably get used to it uh, after a while. And that reminds me, you know, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, you know, I'm watching the Godzilla versus King Kong movie. And all of a sudden they talk about Antarctica all of a sudden. And out of nowhere during the movie, they talk about... Uh, the hollow earth theory that was, I didn't expect it to go there. That's so funny. You bring that up. Cause uh, a few of my other interviews have talked about that. Really? Godzilla coming out of Japan. Right. And then yeah. this hollow earth. Well, let's just look at what Antarctica is. It is the highest elevation continent because it has two miles of ice over the polar plateau. It's also the most volcanically active continent in the world with 91 known volcanoes and plenty of geothermal activity, which could have the propensity of creating these large under ice domes where some of these volcanoes or geothermal vents are warming things up down there. And it is known that there is a large no-fly zone over a portion of the South Pole. That is the approximate area where Admiral Byrd, who is also a flight pilot, had seen what was this big gaping hole in the ice. Well, there's a perfectly logical explanation that it could just be warmed up through volcanic activity and melted a, a hole so big, about 40 miles across, he felt comfortable enough dropping his plane in, circling around and being able to still fly out. What he said in his diary was that there is exotic flora and megafauna down there in that location. Now, I can't verify that. I didn't get to the South Pole area, but even if I did, they wouldn't let you fly over this one section. But some other whistleblowers have said they've seen it as well, and that may open the idea that Antarctica could be an entrance to this inner Earth area. Understood. Before we dive deeper into this, um, in the chat, Dublin was asking, what's the Ark of Gabriel? I thought we should probably just mention that very casually here, Brad. Yeah, sure. We'll, there are a couple of videos you can find on YouTube and other websites that will describe it. It is, as best as I can understand, something similar to the Ark of the Covenant. Right, that right. It is this biblical... Um, era artifact that has some kind of power to it or it em it emitted an energy right. burst when they discovered it, it in Saudi Arabia and that's what killed the people and why the Saudis had to get it out of there and it was the Russians who stepped up and said alright we'll help you do it and they were the ones that went to port and loaded it up and got it out of there. And where do they take it? None other than Antarctica to the new Schwabenland area. Hopefully that answered his question. But yes, it's a holy relic. Look it up. Yes. But right. Um, obviously, the director of that movie was obviously inspired by Admiral Richard Byrd. And um, it's not the first time you see a major motion picture go down, you know, all kinds of rabbit holes for, for the longest time. 
Uh, Hollywood has always done that sort of thing, Brad. It sure has. And it's funny how art imitates life right. or vice versa. Life imitates art and how they'll do this predictive programming, Michael, and put things like the black goo and Prometheus and other movies, uh, as well as uh, certain tidbits of the inner earth, such as in your Godzilla movie, where they will give us a little snapshot of how Hollywood envisions it or to give us this little taste of what might be but since they're putting it into a hollywood movie that we're not quite getting the true reality picture of what it is right and of course once you start looking into all these sort of things you come across the germans who were very much interested and all these sort of um, theories the hollow earth theory they're into the occult uh, we humans are into all kinds of bizarre things aren't we <laughs> oh yeah yeah, let's not even uh, talk about, yes, let's not even talk about the snuff films by our odd friends out there. That's a whole nother <laughs> subject, Brad. That, that's for another, another entire show here. But, um, yes, going down the rabbit hole with Antarctica, you sort of come across all these theories. You come across Richard or Admiral Richard Byrd. And of course, you will soon enough uh, come across the flat earth theory. And uh, yes, lots of folks out there very passionate about the Flat Earth Theory. I don't subscribe to that, but Brad, they obviously listen to the show and they go after everyone who is quote-unquote anti-Flat Earth. So watch out now, Brad. No. I'm joking, of course, but I yes. Guess I'll take my chances. Yeah, you'll be okay. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> they won't lose any sleep. No. Not tonight. Yeah, not tonight. But, um, Brad, I, did you see the movie yourself? No, I haven't yet. The Godzilla vs. King Kong? No, I haven't. But it keeps coming up, so I should have a look. And I don't think you should. I don't up. think you should, honestly. Okay, I won't. It's not that good. Uh, honestly, I didn't think it was that great. You, okay. you could live yeah. without it, Brad. It's okay. You know, I'm more of a content producer than a content consumer i really don't ever watch television or care what's on and a lot of movies slip by me i'll catch them later if people say oh yeah you got to see this and like prometheus with the uh, black goo references right which by the way is down there in one of the islands off of antarctica south tule island a little bit of history that we'll never learn in our textbooks but you can find some of this on uh, wikipedia for example that the falkland war actually divided into two naval groups one that went to fight the falkland wars that we do hear about in history books but there's another group that went off to the south shetland islands and then another chain south of there called the south sandwich islands in which Southern Thule Island, T-H-U-L-E, is the southernmost part of that chain. And the surrender papers of the Falkland Wars were surrendered right off of South Thule Island, this frozen island that had a research station called Corbetta, Uruguay, that was studying the black goo. And the British were really there to collect this black goo and take it back up to the Marconi laboratories to try to backward engineer it. 
And that's where things went awry. And the black goo escaped. And many scientists died under very mysterious reasons and auspices. They would say some committed suicide or went crazy. And this black goo escaped. And isn't it interesting that around the late 1980s, after the black goo escaped, this is around the time you start having the Morgellon syndrome start popping up all over the place, which shows signs of having some of this AI sentient black goo as part of these fibers that are said to erupt out of people. And yes, they are sprayed on us through the chemtrails, but also these Morgellons are now out into the world. And when they come out of the skin after the fibers leave, they do leave behind a black gooey residue that takes much longer for the skin to heal up. I say this because I do suffer from Morgellons myself. Oh, wow. And I have a chapter in my new book called Beyond Esoteric called The Morgellon Nanobots. So I've been studying this subject now for over a decade because I myself have been afflicted by it. And how does that uh, affect you, by the way, Brad, for those that don't know? Well, it's a more of a disfigurement um, creating these sores on the skin that take quite a while to heal up. Most of mine have completely gone away. It's not too uh, apparent anymore but I have the greatest amount of sympathy for those who are suffering from this. That sounds painful. Oh, yes, it's quite painful. Absolutely. Wow. And these things are little buggers, and they are artificial life forms, and they don't want to die. They fight back even when you're trying to attack them and get them out. Probably the most famous person who's had Morgellons is the folk singer, uh, Joni Mitchell, and she called them the alien fiber. The alien said, fiber. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Let me read you her exact quote. Sure. Which uh, has come out, and I'll read it from my book, uh, Beyond Esoteric: Escaping Prison Planet. Just because it's better to uh, let her, uh, in her own words say what this alien fiber really is. Absolutely. And yeah. Flipping here now to try to get to the right page. The dark agenda of synthetic biology, including uh, what Joni has said. She had it really bad, and she almost died from it. In fact, if you let this go, it will consume you. It's that bad because um, it does start to get into the organs and other places of the body. I do offer some uh, solutions as to how people can uh, treat it if indeed they get it themselves. But I'm going to have to go to my table of contents or the index here. Yeah, no worries. Get- yeah, yeah. And by the way, for those that are curious, we are discussing Brad's newest book beyond esoteric escaping prison planet the esoteric series this is part three i believe and of course you can find that at amazon.com just look up brad olson and 
You'll Find Gold. It's a great book, by the way. Always looks nice. Um, all your books look good, by the way. All the, the cover artwork looks great. Oh, thanks. Well, I hired the best editors and the best designers to package these books up for me and work with me. And here's her quote. Back in 2015, folk singer Joni Mitchell was hospitalized after being found unconscious in her L.A. home. It was discovered that her collapse was related to a diagnosis of Morgellons disease. Actually, Michael, I would say Morgellons is more like a syndrome. Ah. And it is now across the board getting into everyone and everything, including animals. Mm. Farm animals and pets are now found to have Morgellons. And there's a simple test people can take, which is the red wine test. You hold a glass of red wine in your mouth for about five minutes and spit it out. And you tell me what comes out. It's not phlegm. It's not spit. It's not mucus. It is these Morgellons. So the Los Angeles Times in 2010 stated that the fibers of various colors have been protruding out of Joni Mitchell's skin, quote, like mushrooms, as a major fungal affection, infection, and it has uh, quite a bit of fungal properties as well. She is perhaps the most famous person to confess to having Morgellons and had this to say about her condition, quote, I have this weird, incurable disease that seems like it's from outer space, but my health's the best it's been in a while. Two nights ago, I went out for the first time since December 23rd. I don't look so bad under incandescent light, but I look scary in the daylight. Garbo and Dietrich hid away just because people became so upset watching them age. But this is worse. Fibers in a variety of colors protrude out of my skin like mushrooms after a rainstorm. They cannot be forensically identified as animal vegetable or mineral. Morgellons is a slow, unpredictable killer, a terrorist disease. It will blow up one of your organs, leaving you in bed for a year. But I have a tremendous will to live. I've been through another pandemic. I'm a polio survivor, so I know how conservative the medical body can be. In America, the Morgellons is always diagnosed as a delusion of parasites and they send you to a psychiatrist. I'm actually trying to get out of the music business to battle for Morgellon sufferers to receive the credibility that's avowed to them, end quote. So she gives a good little snapshot of what this syndrome is all about and has been a sufferer herself and quite nearly almost died from it. So my hat's off to... Joni Mitchell for being brave to speak about this poor Joni new syndrome that has befallen on the human population. Right, poor Joni, she can't catch a break. No, no, and I hope she's doing well now. Although I haven't heard much from her since her uh, episode in 2015 when she nearly almost died from it. Ooh, do you think she contracted COVID already? Ah. Yeah. I know that sounds cold to ask, but do you think perhaps? Let's hope not. I mean, the poor woman can't catch a break, like I said. Wow. Yeah, no, I don't know there's any COVID connection, but you know how they say when a celebrity says they come down with COVID, they're probably uh, being interrogated or 
sent down to get right. Understood. And of course, earlier you were talking about the black goo. Um, by the by, the way, was this the same black goo that has uh, been historically used by ancient Egyptians to you know cover well, the as tombs my and all that? Goes, and I do cover it in my book Beyond Esoteric. Uh, general idea of what it is that there are two kinds that there is one that is uh, organic and endemic to our planet and then another kind that has been brought here by ets and this is the one that has recently escaped from the british laboratory marconi laboratories some great researchers and i do stand on the shoulders of some of these gentlemen uh, Harold Kotzvela has done many talks about the black goo, and I've spoken to him on the phone on an interview before. And David Griffin, who's been on the Bases Project with Miles Johnston, and I've talked to Miles about it too, uh, face-to-face at UFO Mega Conference a couple years ago. And all three of these guys have said that this black goo is nothing like they've ever seen anything else. And do also attribute it to mm. uh, being of an alien nature. I see. Especially the stuff that, that came out of the southern Thule Island. Understood, understood. And Brad, before we dive deeper into all of these things here, I completely forgot to ask you one of the original questions I had in mind when we were talking about Antarctica, and that is Atlantis. I'm sure you have taken plenty of time to... Uh, study that do you think it actually existed at any time or is it just you know another theory of such oh i would say most certainly atlantis was one of the antediluvian civilizations before we've been told as history is supposed to have started in the fertile crescent right and, Sumer and egypt and that's where all the great civilization has started here in the Western world, well, that's a very narrow way of looking at history because you can find artifacts under the ocean, megalithic buildings that still defy how they were created, as well as what might be under the ice of Antarctica. And I do look into this in my presentation called The Hidden Anomalies of Antarctica, which I'll be presenting at uh, Contact the Desert at the end of June. People want to uh, go to my workshop. It's also looking at some of the latest findings down there. And I was very interested in looking into this, Michael. I was looking into whether there could be pyramids poking out through the ice or archaeological digs of megalithic structures that are reported to be down there under the ice, as well as this idea of megafauna and megaflora uh, being part of the history of Antarctica. And I'll tell you that yes, absolutely, positively, that they have found fossil records of ferns and tropical plants, as well as dinosaur species mm. that could only lived when Antarctica was a steamy, hot jungle. And it was before it was covered in ice. And when that happened, uh, when Antarctica shifted to its current position, presumably through a pole shift and the movement of continents, because eastern Antarctica, the larger landmass of the two, the other is western Antarctica, which is a newer portion, that had been uh, 
part of the original Pangaea continent and had shifted down. It broke off from Australia, uh, South Asia, and Africa and pushed on into its present position. But Antarctica, uh, under the ice where the western portion was, came down from the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. And that is the portion... Uh, the Palmer Peninsula, that finger of land that sticks up towards South America, that's the part that I visited two and a half years ago. And that is a much newer portion of the continent. It's a uh, 700 million years old, which is new in geological terms. And that is the purported evidence of Atlantis under the ice, where it's being pointed to that there are some archaeological digs down there. Although I couldn't find any direct evidence when I was there of anybody yeah. that knew about it. But supposedly that is – could be Atlantis under the ice nice. in that portion of the country. I like that notion. But we won't know yeah. until we find out though, right, Brad? No, we won't. But if we were ever to have some really earth-shattering news of, say, a massive craft under the ice. And some deep or, pockets, by the way, Brad. Yeah. Going to cost <laughs> a lot. perhaps the giants <laughs> coming out of Antarctica being dug up. I'll tell you, that is the precursor for what Project Bluebeam would be, the mm. big fake alien invasion. We'll get into that, yes. Uh, skull to uh, voice to skull technology making us think that we're seeing the coming Messiah. It all starts out, and I offer the timeline in my book, Beyond Esoteric, that it all starts out with some mind-blowing archaeological finding of E.T. craft, giants, or an antediluvian civilization. And then it leads to the Messiah in the sky, and every country, depending on where they're at, will hear voice to skull of Jesus in Christian countries, Muhammad in Muslim countries, Buddha in Asian countries. And then it would be this big holographic alien invasion. And all of it is a false flag operation. Not to say that what they're finding in Antarctica would be fake, yeah. but they would use it as a lead up to do this ultimate false flag attack against the world and that would be what would set up that would fully implement the new world order agenda i want to circle back to that in a moment here but i want to um mention the sumerians really quickly you know i always wondered how could the semi-savages in that fertile crescent we you mentioned you know suddenly give life to such an advanced culture that birthed us with astronomy, mathematics, and written language, and so forth and so forth. I don't need to go on. Brad, you get the big picture here. Um, yeah. I don't think they get enough credit, uh, Brad. Well, they don't, uh, nor do the pre-dynastic Egyptians. And why do you think that you have the best-built pyramids with the most sophisticated technology, including megalithic architecture in the Great Pyramid itself as being the older of the pyramids and all the successive pyramids after that 
are inferior in design. So how is it that you have the best blossoming of culture creating architecture like the Great Pyramid in a way that we're still playing catch up and trying to figure out? <clears throat> Whereas also in Samaria, you have <clears throat> some of the oldest culture, as you mentioned, creating science and mathematics. And we're just playing catch up and trying to uh, understand everything that they knew. It's almost like if it's the oldest, it should be the more primitive. But in this case, it is the most refined. And it's always been an issue with uh, Egyptologists. That right. How could this culture and technology be so advanced in the early on stages and then get worse as time goes on? It's a trip, really. We are a culture culture that seems to uh, forget so easily. We have ADD, Brad. And amnesia. Amnesia, and right, amnesia. that too. <laughs> and Brad, it always goes back to Egypt. And of course, the cover artwork here is of the goddess Isis, as you know. It always goes back to Egypt and all this sort of thing. It, uh, it's uh, like clockwork. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they uh, play the same trick over and over again on us sometimes and uh, think that we're gullible or dumb enough to fall for it. But, uh, you know, just like the false flag attacks, they just don't work on a, an awakened mass of people anymore. This is a Masonic and, Republic, Brad. I've been seeing that for years. Yep. Yep. And uh, it just doesn't work on us anymore. It It, it had a time when most people believe 9-11 happened the way we were told it was. And once you open that uh, Pandora's box and look at it with a critical eye and see that uh, all those things they said happened really just doesn't add up, uh, you can't come back from that. And that's what I think a lot of people in the truth movement are. They've just been fooled so many times you can't get fooled again, as the Who sings to us. <laughs> right. And of course, um, some people out there, you know, you can't really convince them, convince them of a lot of things. Uh, but do you blame them? You can't necessarily blame them entirely. People lie and nothing is ever what it appears to be, Brad. I learned that on my short time here on this island Earth. Nothing is ever what it appears to be. No, it's not. And that's why the Michael Deacon program that's is right. such a great resource for information to look at things with a critical eye in a different way and give people the opportunity to see things for what they really are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, Brad, before we jump back on track here with all these things, I'm going to take you down the rabbit hole for a second here. Well, what exactly is your opinion on Elon Musk and his plans for the future? Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence with this guy. I mean, things look so progressive and right on, and now he's pulling back from Bitcoin and pulling, telling people to get into this Dogecoin, and I don't really know. He might be just a total sociopath who's very concerned with his image, but is uh, playing to the dark side. But on the other hand, he's released this very efficient, Tesla vehicle right, that right. doesn't need gas. So I don't know. What What do you think about him? 
I'm so glad you asked, Brad. Well, let me begin slowly here. I, you know, I don't know too much about him in, in his personal life, but in his uh, future endeavors with professionally, I mean, I, I admire the man. I do. I will be honest. I do admire the guy. However, I don't know about any of you at home, but anytime I hear about someone that has the most wealth in the world wanting to send people to another planet eventually, that sort of raises a few hairs and eyebrows. And, um, well, Brad, let me just say this. Eventually, Earth will be no more. Something is going to happen to this planet, Brad. You know that. I know that. Everyone knows that we are on borrowed time essentially but no one knows when that's going to happen but let me ask you this though brad if you did have an opportunity to like actually experience that part of life you know where humans must abandon the earth would you be down to like experience something like that brad <laughs> i mean i would i kind of want you know i, I kind of want to hit that fast forward button uh that time i want to have the time machine to take us to that time where you know, humans must decide, are we going to stay here and be destroyed on this island Earth, or are we going to get our ass off this planet and go to Mars or somewhere else, Brad? Uh, just like the uh, Buzz Aldrin shirt, get your ass back to Mars. <laughs> right. And, and what if we were able to terraform Mars or another planet? Uh, <clears throat> there's so much talk about this planet being overpopulated. Well, what if people would volunteer to just go up there and you could have a plot of land and be a farmer and live another life on another planet, I think there'd be a certain percentage of people that would probably go for They'd that. They'd be down, right. So They'd be down to leave. Need, yeah, it doesn't need to be a depopulation agenda. Just let people voluntarily go. Perhaps they would like the challenge of starting new somewhere else. But, Michael, I've been around the world. I've been to all seven continents. I'll tell you, this is a beautiful planet. There's so much here that is worth preserving. And that's what I think we should be focusing our attention on, is how to make this the garden planet it's always been. And cleaning up our act, look, it's really the humans that have uh, sodomized this planet itself uh, and made it <clears throat> the shite hole it is, as hmm. David Icke says. Well, you can, you can the, use profanity here. It's okay, Brad, it's okay. You're okay. I, I said it in the English kind of way. That's uh, true. You did a very polite way. In an imitation of David Icke, at the apex of human civilization, how is it that we would be trashing this planet to such an nth degree? So what we really have to do is clean this planet up and clean up the act. Look, there's gyres of garbage in our oceans that are the size of Texas. Well, there's technology that could clean that up. If we were just to be able to release free energy, for one example, and use free energy to, say, create desalinization plants that don't – right now, the, the energy to create uh, desalinization plants are so high that only countries like Saudi Arabia and other oil-rich countries can do it. But if free energy were to create desalinization, we can make the deserts gardens again, flowing with fresh water. We could use them to put out bots into the gyres to clean up all the garbage out there and repopulate the ocean with many of the large uh, fish that once populated our ocean, such as tuna. 
which is over 90% uh, denuded from the ocean, and so many other things we could do just with releasing free energy. So that's really part of the picture is getting this uh, technology back into the hands of the people and using it for good ways to restore the environment and the many uh, different climate zones that could use some technology to uh, restore it back to its pristine state, which it's not at the moment. So you are supporting the Green New Deal. Is that what you're saying here, Brad? Uh, not quite the way. Not quite. Okay. I and mean, there's always a money option with that. I, I'm more of an altruist doing it in service to others to do it because it's the right thing to do. And that is to save this planet so it doesn't get so degraded that people are wanting to leave here and uh, go on to another planet and try something new. Well, I definitely believe there is climate change and global warming and all that shit. But, Brett, I don't think the Earth is just going to end in a few years. That's definitely not how I envisioned it myself. No, but on our present course, it would just continue to be degraded. Right, right. Already, it's not really a good idea to eat too much fish because of all the mercury in it. I kind of stopped eating fish. I, I, I really, like, lowered the um, input. I'm sure you have too, Brad. Yeah. Of, of Fish, tuna, shrimp. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Plastic, it's you know, all that shit. Stuff yep. that you don't eat, Brad. Uh, not as much anymore. Certainly not because of, and even the farmed fish is not good either. Ooh, uh, and I do miss salmon. I do miss a good sushi meal, but mm, you really have to salmon. limit that to about once a month, I think. I'm a sucker for salmon though, Brad. That's, you know, I can't quit the salmon. Sometimes even the shrimp. It's kind of hard. Yeah. Uh, and why should we have to be limited? Because we're polluting the ocean so bad. That's... A wrong direction. We pillage the earth, Brad. Yeah. Indeed. And now, Brad, I'm going to uh, switch gears ever so slightly here. That brings us into more modern times for a moment here. But June 1st is near. And some say full disclosure is coming. Do you think the government will actually, you know, disclose the truth about extraterrestrial life, Brad, as they claim they will? Right. Allegedly. uh, Congress is tasked to uh, have the Pentagon release these files, and tonight as well is going to be on 60 Minutes for the first time ever. They're doing a a spot about UFO disclosure and these videos that have been coming out of the Pentagon. So it is like this drip, drip, drip of disclosure, Michael. But now it seems the floodgates are going to come wide open in June, and – we could be seeing some big booms on the horizon. I hope so. I did get an email from Stephen Bassett saying something about a 60 Minutes interview later on tonight. And I thought, I haven't seen 60 Minutes in, um, it seems like 60 years, but I'm not even 60, <laughs> Brad. But um, for that segment, I think I'll try to find it online and watch it. I'm with you there. I do would like to see how they treat it and Me see too. if they, at the end, put the old... Uh, Fear, uncertainty, and doubt into the piece, which is the normal way the mass media would treat uh, subjects such as disclosure or anything UFO related. So we'll see how they uh, treat this one, if it's in a serious note or just kind of tongue-in-cheek at the end. 
word. Um, some people in the chat are saying 60 minutes was all old stuff. So that's already a, that's a bit of a, a letdown already from the chat. Bummer. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Mm. Well, I hope it's not another, uh, another runaround per se. Some people believe the government will use this as a way to cause fear and chaos and create a fake alien invasion. And Brad, you were sort of hinting along that sort of thing earlier in the beginning of this interview. That's right. Well, what we need to all keep in mind is holographic technology has come a long way. I mean, they're already rolling out Tupac Shakur or Michael Jackson going on tour as holograms. Oh, my. And nobody can tell the difference otherwise. So holograms are very well advanced to the point where it could be believing is seeing if you saw these craft in the sky and thinking that we are under some kind of alien invasion. But we're here saying it here first, folks. It's all going to be fake. Right. Right. And of course, the government has done that sort of thing or has wanted to do that sort of thing. Specifically in Cuba, they wanted to sort of project an image of Jesus Christ. Right. And that's uh, another part of what Project Bluebeam would be all about is putting these religious figures in the sky. And Can you imagine, though, how- Brad, can, can you imagine that people somewhere out there, they were in some sort of locked room behind, you know, closed doors, lots of closed doors, lots of windows. Uh, these gentlemen are thinking, you know, how the hell are we going to scare the hell out of a huge population of people? Oh, well, let's project an image of Jesus Christ. That's insane. That would get people's attention, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> wow. People are insane, Brad. Yeah, people are very superstitious on this in this world, not just uh, people in this country, but even more so. And I, I've spent many years abroad, and I can tell you that uh, people don't – it's a, a form of ignorance when you just believe what you're told or take the dogma – at uh, as fact in your life and you have to just see that people are not very well versed in these subjects that you talk about on the Michael Deacon program that I write about in our books and that's what makes them esoteric by its very nature of the word when they become well-known subjects then they become exoteric and then it becomes known to the general population So what we're doing is talking about things as they're still only known to a very few amount of people. But, hey, that's where the fun is. That's right. That is where the fun is. And we'll have some fun in a second here. Brad, be honest with me. Do you think Michael Jackson was guilty of those allegations brought forth to him? I did see that uh, two-part documentary called Escaping... Neverland, and it did seem pretty believable what those guys were saying that were taken up by him. And I don't really. But it's like been ruled out that they were lying, though. Oh, was it? I, yeah. I wasn't aware of that. They threw, yeah, they threw it out. They said not enough evidence to prove anything here. Move along. Um, but Brad, I, I still think there might have have been some shenanigans at one time or another. Uh, behind the man in the mirror, as they say. Right, right. Yeah, a little, a little smoke and mirrors there. 
And there's also talk that he may have faked his own death, that he just wanted to and certainly had enough wealth to just step out and go live his life on some tropical island somewhere. And wouldn't doubt that, just the same way that supposedly Princess Diana did the same thing or JFK Jr. Or Hitler, for that matter. Went to Argentina. Right. I think there's the best evidence of all. And certainly when I was in South America, I was going to a lot of locations where there were plenty of Hitler sightings, including people that have a living memory of working as a chambermaid uh, in the Eden Hotel, for example, in La Falda, Argentina, that swear and pass lie detector tests that they saw Hitler and Eva Braun after World War II still alive. Yes, there's plenty of evidence of Hitler being in Argentina because we put him there, Brad. <laughs> Mic drop. That's right. Yes. Argentina though is a great place. I would love to I would love to live there if I could. It is a great country. It's lovely. I really enjoyed it. And uh it's very European. You'd be actually surprised. Uh Buenos Aires is like you're in a European city. There's a joke that is down in Argentina because they've lost 99% of the indigenous people. Unlike Peru and Bolivia, where you see a very strong indigenous people and culture still remaining, in Chile and Argentina, they pretty much wiped them all out. So the joke is, well, who are the Argentinians? And in reality, most are southern uh, Europeans, such as Italians or Greeks. So the joke goes, who are the Argentinians? They're Italians who speak Spanish that wish they were as wealthy as the Germans <laughs> who have all the money down there. Oh, that's true. And still to this day. And by the way, the Argentinian uh, government, they are pretty much fully on board with UFOs. Unlike our government. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Just as the Peruvian and Ecuadorians are on board with the uh, elongated skulls and the that, giants that, that they too. found down there as well. It's really – and I brought this up to some of them about why they're so open with this kind of disclosure. And they said, well, it's just natural to us. We feel that it is who we are and we feel that these – Visitors are part of our history, and we're not ashamed to talk about it. They said, it's you up in uh, the USA who have a problem with having this discussion. Not that you and I do, sure. but in general, it's been kept from us for so long, that, and, and so much ridicule and scorn and fear, uncertainty, and doubt has been put on, on the whole ET UFO issue that uh, a lot of people say, oh, conspiracy theory, oh, you're talking about that again? They're just knee-jerk reaction to throwing the baby out with the bathwater on this subject. It's pretty interesting, though. I mean, you do have times where uf ufology, you know, it, it's popular. It comes in cycles, and right now we are sort of dealing with one of those popularity cycles right now on uh, on mainstream media. It's being heavily syndicated on mainstream media for the very first time and not many people care too much though brad have you noticed that there's not that much interest there is but not as much as you would suspect i mean most people would be thinking really there might be et 
And other people out there are like, well, who cares? When is Donald Trump coming back? <laughs> and really, you know and I know this is the most important story uh, in humanity's history. If we can prove and talk quite intelligently about making contact with higher intelligent extraterrestrial civilizations that could potentially change the entire course of civilization that we're on, you can't have a bigger subject to talk about. It's Yet, pretty you're right. crazy. It's pretty so nuts. People scorn the subject. Yeah. Yeah. So much going on right now. Maybe people are just um, overwhelmed by everything. I, I might go into that later on here on the other half of this program. And of course, you are invited to stick around for that, Brad, and listen to me go even crazier with cer with certain things, but that's up to you. Uh, but back to ufology for a second here. Um, all these stories have been coming out, and of course, a video was released recently by, uh, what's that gentleman's name? Jeremy Corbell, right? Yeah, I know Jeremy. I've met him. Right. That, mm -hmm, that video of, um, what, what was it? It was being recorded on some kind of gun, I believe, on some sort of gun camera of a UAP UFO uh, descending into the ocean. I'm sure you saw that footage yourself, right, Brad? Quite amazing, yeah. Amazing. These, uh, submersible UFO craft, and that is a common uh, characteristic of some of these UFO craft, is they have just as much of an ability to come in and out of the depths of the ocean as they do to fly vertically straight up and crossover through dimensions at a quick 90 degree angle and isn't it interesting that part of the narrative of the battle of high jump you know, off of the coast of antarctica included oh, yes. these submersible ufos coming up out of the ocean and that's how they confronted admiral bird's armada and sh sunk one of the ships i was expecting you to Energy I was expecting you to say that, Brad. And yes, the energy weapon that lots of people have been experiencing um, in Cuba, for instance, years ago, and most recently as well, these sort of energy-directed weapons, it's, it's being popular again. Right. So I, I think you're referring to the uh, microwave weapons against sure. our staff in the uh, embassy Correct. in Havana, Cuba. And also it happened in the 1970s with the American embassy in Moscow that they were beaming microwave energy and everybody was getting sick and starting to come down with uh, exotic illnesses and then having cancer and things like that. But the directed energy weapon of Antarctica is more along the lines of uh, Tesla's death ray that he invented, which had the ability to um, – like a laser, slice one of the ships in half in Admiral Byrd's armada of ships. Uh, and as a show of force, hey, don't mess with us down here, they turned around and left two months into the six-month expedition. And on the way back, Admiral Byrd, he had a big mouth more than the military wanted him to, and he said, we will be confronted with a new enemy that has the ability to fly pole to pole at incredible speeds. Here's him saying this in early 1947. And to date, Michael, yes. I don't know of any craft that can fly pole to pole at incredible speeds. They're not sharing that information with us. I agree. I agree. 
Once again, I'm not certain if you uh, have seen all the footage, but I'm sure you have. But, but I mean, the, the audience out there is who I'm talking to right now. I'm not sure if you guys at home have seen all the footage, but it is it is rather remarkable. And I don't know exactly what the hell it is. I was just thinking, Brad, it might be some kind of drone of sorts. Uh, it seems to be attracted to water, evidently. And this thing be is this thing sort of like powered by the ocean somehow? Who the hell knows? Is it coming out of the hollow earth? <laughs> Who knows? More questions than answers, that's for sure. Yes, it's quite fascinating. And of course, there are those out there who dismiss it all. They say this is rubbish. This is nonsense. Well, those are the people that are the last to really get it and can't uh, concern ourselves too much for their ability to catch up. It's kind of like the the bad student in school. Right. They're going to get the C's and D's and F's because they just don't really have what it takes to keep up with the class. Understood. And by the way, Brad, have you experienced anything, you know, um, paranormal or have you seen any lights in the sky yourself? Anything of that nature? Well, yeah, I sure have. It all started in uh, the summer of 1997. I was up camping with uh, a few friends at Crater Lake in southern Oregon. And we were just watching a really pretty sunset, getting ready to hike back to our camp. And all three of us saw this very bright, streaking light for several seconds across the sky. And it was going towards the deep depths of Crater Lake. And it broke off into a perfect square blip. I'll never forget it, and I still can't explain it. We just fell to the ground laughing because we all saw it. And as we were running up the hill to go talk to our friends to see if they saw it, we saw the exact same phenomenon over Mount Shasta, about 50 miles south in the distance, of this bright streaking light breaking off into these perfect square blips right into the mountain itself. Now, it could be some kind of exotic weapon or technology or interdimensional craft. I still can't explain what I saw, but I know I saw it and they did too, the people I was with. And this is what really set me off on my whole journey of trying to understand the UFO extraterrestrial question here on Earth, the whole exopolitics. And yeah. I write about it in Future Esoteric, The Unseen Realms, book two in the uh, series, in my setup to this book, that this is th this moment in my life where I was confronted with something of such enormous magnitude that could clearly, if understood, change our understanding of who we are in this world, and or at least some kind of exotic technology that we still didn't understand. And since then, I have seen quite a few anomalous lights and pertaining to craft in the sky, always over volcanoes. That's the common denominator at Mount Adams, at the Eseti Ranch, all night, coming and going, in and out of the mountain there, uh, up at Mount Shasta again on another occasion, uh, as well as uh, seeing other things uh, in volcanic areas in South America, just anomalous lights flaring up and then fading back down. Um, 
in Sedona, Arizona as well. That's pretty tame, uh, though, Brad. I mean, I'm asking if you if you've experienced anything crazier than that, though, not just lights in the sky, no, nothing to kick up the ante here that you've never really shared uh, with anyone. That's the, that's all I can come up with. Just uh, um, these anomalous lights in the sky, but d- behaving in ways that uh, airplanes or satellites aren't known to do. No, yeah, I hear you. Okay, I was just hoping that maybe you had, you know, some sort of experience you never really shared with anyone because it's so damn crazy. You would think, you know, no one's going to believe me after this. <laughs> How about you? Have you seen a UFO per se? Brad, I've seen all kinds of crazy shit in the sky out here. You know, I live in the desert and... You know, there's a naval facility. So, you know, there's all kinds of things out here. Right. But yes, I've seen some stuff. But my God, Brad, I, I do have a rather <laughs> weird thing to share with you that I don't normally talk about here because I I feel like it, it like I go back and I hear it. and I think, my God, that guy's insane when I hear myself talk about it. Hmm. I don't want to be I'm one sure. of those guys, but I mean, I'm going to have to share this with you, Brad. And, you know, everyone out there can ridicule me all they want. You know, I'm not really selling anything at all. This is, this this happened. And just like you, Brad, it was sort of like a shared experience. You know, there's people around you that also saw this object in the sky. So they know that you're not crazy because they saw it too, correct? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Well, as you know, Brad, you've gone out to uh, contact in the desert out there in Joshua Tree for a long time now. Years, correct? I experienced some pretty wild woo stuff out there myself, Brad. In the Mojave Desert? In the hotel room. Hmm. What happened? I still, I'm still trying to figure that part out, to be honest. And, uh, Brad, I was doing this show years ago, back 2016. Well, sort of the same show, slightly different show, and I said on the air, and this is you know this uh, this is on record. I said if I don't experience anything out there in contact in the desert, that I'm not going to talk about uh, UFOs or any of this anymore. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> I said that on the air, and I happened to make my way out there to Joshua Tree, Brad, and on the very first night, with my friend in the hotel room. Watching TV, the lights, you know, are off. Just the TV's kind of, you know, it's kind of on. We're having this conversation. And out of nowhere, Brad, something seemed, uh, this is my friend's words, something seemed to like manifest behind me or maybe came out of me. I'm not quite sure. And it seemed like someone turned on the most, the world's most powerful fluorescent light bulb in the world. The whole room was engulfed in this white light. And even when I closed my goddamn eyes, Brad, I could still see all this white light. It seemed like it seemed like it lasted maybe a little less than a minute, but it was insane. And after that happened, I even told my friend, I said, did you did that happen? And he said, yeah, that actually happened. Wow. Yeah, and I don't even know what the hell happened. It's been years. I Every day I wonder about this sort of thing, and I don't even like talking about it because everyone's going to say, well... Yeah, you're nuts. Did you see any kind of orb or did it take a shape of any kind? No, it was just complete white everywhere. Just white. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, I don't like telling that story. Yeah. Well, we do open ourselves up for ridicule when we uh, share things about what we might have seen or what we might have believed. But that's how we grow. And, and that's how we learn from each other is by looking at other people's uh, experiences. Yeah. I wish yeah. it was a light bulb, by the way. But no, <laughs> I was talking to the, the chat room there. So a little light bulb uh, emoticon there. But no, I wish it was someone turning on the lights for sure. I wish I had that sort of explanation up my sleeve, but who knows what the hell happened, Brad? Mm. No missing time or anything that I know of, but uh, that really did happen. I'm not making that up. Well, you know the story behind uh, David Icke and his waking up is he was visited by a, a light being, some kind of angelic force that said, hey, you're going to have a very interesting life. You're going to do things that are going to help the human race understand this momentum place in history that they find themselves. Let's not rule everything out, Michael. Perhaps you were visited by some kind of light entity that was smiling down on what they knew you were going to do, and that is help people to understand some very complex subjects some out there stuff that you could put a voice and a face to some of these out there subjects and help people come to a better understanding. Well, that's a very optimistic way of looking at it. I do appreciate that. I, I hope that's the truth and reality of all that. Uh, and no, I was not drinking or doing any drugs, by the way. <laughs> I was sober. A little disclaimer there. That's right. <laughs> And again, I would think I went nuts myself if, in fact, I was alone. But I was not alone. There was someone there with me. They saw it, too, and they were sober. So there you go. Interesting. Yeah, so anyone could either believe me or not. You know, I don't really care. I sort of, I, I, I'm already past that sort of stage. But I, I am curious to know what the hell that was. But I don't think I'm ever going to get a tangible answer, Brad. I just want that to happen again. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Well, keep doing what you're doing. Maybe uh, th this will be an invitation for that to happen again. Yes, and thank you for telling me about uh, David Icke. I had no idea he had that sort of uh, experience. Oh, yeah, and he has taken so much ridicule for bringing that up and telling his story the way that he felt it happened. But it's uh, that's... His journey, that's how it all started because he was, he was just a, a sports guy, right? He was a soccer player and then he was a broadcaster. And then all of a sudden he does this 180. 180, and right. And through all this material. Yeah. That's true. And, and uh, now, uh, you know, I, I have interviewed his son, by the way. Yeah, I've met his son. He's a great guy. Gareth Ike. You know, I talked to him way back 2015, and now when I compare him to the 2021 version of Gareth Ike, a different, different individual. He's changed a lot. How's he changed? Not in a bad way. I, I just think he sort of like went down the same pathway that his father did. He's sort of, you know, he's following along in the same footsteps. Huh. He wasn't like that before. You know, he wasn't so um, vocal about, you know, all these things that his father is into. 
Hmm. Well, I know he's a real talented musician. Oh, he that he is. Right. The 432 uh, does, produces music according to the sacred harmonics. And I've heard his CD. It's pretty good. Yeah, we like Gareth here. He's a good guy. Got to bring him back on. And um, by the way, as we also shift gears again, very so slightly here, I wanted to uh, sort of mention your book again. Um, Beyond This Volteric Escaping Prison Planet, I, I did want to ask you, do you feel like a prisoner within this system we are in, Brad? I, I, I've often thought that we should be living on a utopian planet. Ever since I was a little kid, I couldn't understand how there could still be wars in this world, how there could be so much inequality, how how one in five people will go to bed starving tonight. Why can't we share the resources? Why can't we put an end to war? Why can't we release this technology which could have a, a freeing effect on our world? So my interpretation of Prison Planet is really as simple as let's just have this technology and this information shared and released and being able to be useful to the rest of the world. Uh, but getting into more of a spiritual yes, connection sir. Right. that we, we do have this coming back here on the, the wheel of karma that, that people have created a world for themselves or their own delusion that they haven't really sought after the bigger questions in life. And it is part of this that we have to overcome our own selves. This goes into some very esoteric Buddhist studies, but how we can be the best person we can be in service to all in trying our very best to help others know with what we have. And, and this came to me from a very unlikely source at a, a younger age than I am now, half my lifetime ago when I was an English teacher in Japan. And I was just a couple years out of college and living a playboy lifestyle, dating my students and going out drinking with the guys most nights. And oh my. I had an elderly student say to me, you don't understand. You are a sensei. And in the Eastern cultures, they put you up there with a, a brain surgeon or a scientist or a doctor. And I said, well, I'm just this guy out of college having a good time here in Japan, yeah. teaching English, making money to go on my trip around the world. He said, well, you're still a sensei. And that's always stuck with me that I have this ability to convey ideas with my words. And, and I've been this way since I was a little kid, Michael. My grandpa said, you have the gift of gab, Brad. You could be a lawyer or a salesman. I did dabble in sales a bit, but never a lawyer. But that's that's what I do well. I'm, I'm a great storyteller. I can put it into book form. I can good with the spoken word. And I suppose that's what I'm able to give back. And since I am interested in these very esoteric subjects and condense it down into hopefully a way that people can easily understand that, hey, maybe that is my escape from prison planet mm. by giving this back and, and helping with this ascension and the great awakening to help people understand this momentous period of time 
that we find ourselves in. Konnichiwa. <laughs> By the way, do you ever feel I, at... I yes, sir. Thank you. Do you ever feel at times, what if I didn't go down this path in life? What, what if I have, you know, what if I had become like, let's say normal, you know, you spend a significant amount of time researching and traveling a bit. I'm sure you sort of gone through that in your, in your head at times, Brad, what if I did not go down this road? Where would I have been? Well, I have thought about that a lot because I haven't had kids. I've never been married. Um, I often think, what if I would have pursued the career I was going to pursue in college, which was working in an advertising agency in Chicago, and I'd have my 2.5 kids and a big suburban home. But you know what, Michael? I think I'd always be wondering, what if I took that other road? Because life is always a crossroads. You're always coming to a, a choice. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I pick A or do I pick B? Where do I... Where do I go with this? And I think I'd always be yearning and longing to take the course that I'm currently on. And I know now in the deepest depths of my heart that I made the right move, that I'm doing these things with a sacrifice, without having the knowledge of knowing what uh, my own children might look like, without knowing what that career making a whole lot of money working in an ad agency would be like. But knowing that I chose this course because this is what I'm good at and producing these books and hearing feedback from people that they've helped others with big uh, decisions in their lives just makes me believe that this is my service to others. This is the way that I can do the most amount of good in the world with the short amount of time that we have in these uh skin and bone bodies that we find ourselves in. So no regrets. In other words, you feel like no you are on the right path. I am on the right path and I'm just about to turn 56 and that's going to be my third Saturn return. So it's like act three is coming up, Michael act three and right. saving the best for last. That's right, sir. You know, I'm not married, no kids just like you. And I sometimes wonder what if I had been quote unquote normal what if i have what if i had just been you know another miserable man in another pathetic relationship where my wife doesn't even respect me or vice versa women and men are both capable of doing that you know I, you know what what if i had gone down that road where we both have separate bedrooms we don't really respect each other you know we sort of fall out we love each other for a couple years and then that love fades away some people don't even believe in love brad yeah, well, you made the same decision I did, Michael, right. and we're both uh, reaping what we sow, let's say. Yeah, and I don't know where your it's you, true. Yeah, Brett, I don't know where your mind is at all on all these subjects I'm bringing up here. You know, this isn't something normally I hear you talk about. So, you know, I'm so glad that you're kind of revealing all these things to me. I like that, Brad. You know, everyone's sort of learning something from each other here. Well, we are. And, and I think the takeaway from this is that we do go on a different path and we choose what our destiny is going to be, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But I think that the, the real big takeaway here is, are you doing something that's doing good in the world? 
And that is your personal karma. That is what you will take with you when you pass. And I, I, I didn't grow up uh, a Christian or in un, any religion, but I think I understand what that whole being judged upon death yeah. is all about now. Right. And it's not a St. Peter at the pearly gate. It's you doing your own life review and you will see all the pain and the hurt and the misery you put in the world, or you're going to see all the good that you could have done. And that is what brings us back time and time again. And that's what being trapped on this prison planet is all about. If you don't know how to break that wheel of karma and do only good in the world, once you know that, because once you know that, it then becomes your power and it also becomes a responsibility. And then once knowing that, you really can't go back to ever being devious or deceitful or telling lies or trying to scam something or another. That's why I, I feel bad for all these people that have done th th these packs with the devil. Or, and, and I never knew what that meant until recently that you see all these Luciferians or these Satanists. What are you doing it for? To get money? Gosh, there's other ways to get money. What do you need? Control? For what? The point is you be the best person you can be, and I understand there's a lot of limitations to that, but if you just hold it in your heart that I'm just going to do good in the world, you can never go back to being that deceitful or that lying person ever again. You can only do good in the world, and I think that's the path I'm on, and I will take this into my act three till my dying day that all I want to do is try to help people wake up at this momentous time in human history and see us into this great awakening where this light bulb moment, this hundredth monkey effect occurs across the entire human race. If we can do that collectively and on an individual level. I think we're one step closer to achieving that goal. That's a great answer. And Brad, I feel like I could sort of share these sort of things with you here. You know, I was planning to sort of talk about this on the other half by myself you know, and sort of reveal all these sort of things that have been going on with me. But I, I kind of feel like, you know, you're kind of on the same boat as I am and you yeah. have experienced the same thing as, as I have and what I'm going to share right now. You sort of already hinted towards that. So I kind of feel like, you know, I could talk to you about that sort of thing here on the program. And, you know, I feel like I'm going to here, Brad, I'm going to share some things with you here. And, um, Yes, um, Brad, but before we do, I just want to quickly say, you know, you know, you don't have any kids, but I think you would have made a great father, Brad. Oh, I know I would have. And I love children. I love playing with them. And I, I, I feel that there is something you can give. And this is not to to shame or to deny anybody's parenthood. It's a beautiful thing. It's just you and I have chosen a different path. And on that path, it may have been essential that we stayed single and without children to do what we needed to do. Because I know for myself, I couldn't have spent the time that I put into working on these books and the other things that I've done in my life up to this point, if I had to have been a provider and had to have been a good father and made sure my children had what they need to, to be productive people in society. So in some ways, it's selfish on our part to have 
not gone that way. But on another hand, it was necessary to give us the time and the freedom to pursue the courses that we did take. Right. You got to make sacrifices in life. And Brad, you've done so time and time again. Well, I have. And and I've also been a targeted individual for being uh, outspoken. I've been uh, harshly censored and, and other things, as I've shared with you tonight about having more gallons. And I do believe that that, that is being a, a targeted individual in some degrees, that uh, this can be something that can be um, put into people in different kind of ways and, and then uh, accentuated through different technology. Uh, I'm very cautious in my life. Michael, and I know you are too. Sure. And we kind of have to look over our shoulder because we live on a planet that's run by psychopaths and probably don't like you or I conveying the kind of information that we do and would much rather see us shut up or even better off dead in their eyes than helping this awakening process. But at this point, I think it's absolutely inevitable that we're going to go down this course. It's happening, whether we're uh, on the stage saying it or not. It is the destiny of the human race to have this great awakening. And I hope it happens in our lifetime and we're able to be around to see it. Oh, yes. I acquiesce. Many great points again by Mr. Brad Olson. And you definitely are on the right path, Brad. And I'm I think sure, you are too, Mike. Yeah, and I'm sure there are times, Brad, when you think you're not and, you know, things are kind of tough for you, I'm quite sure. Uh, but, Brad, you know, you have, uh, a, you have a very great outlook on all these things. And I think it goes beyond our personal ego or our personal uh, endeavors. It's really, you, you cannot do these kind of things unless you feel a very strong tug in being in service to the greater good here. And then that brings up the whole thing about releasing the free energy, the med beds, the new financial quantum system, and people like us who have the gift of gab, who are good at explaining complex things, the small role we may take in helping others to also understand and get ready for this great ascension moment, which I think is already underway. And we're just there to uh, help facilitate with the, the people who follow our work to come along and be a part of this. And it's a great awakening for all of us. And really, we're only as strong as the lowest common denominator. So as long as there is a, a person starving in Africa, that's a reflection on the whole. And until that person is not starving or anybody else in the world, and we're bringing everybody up, that we're as low as the lowest common denominator. So no wonder this must seem like the planet of the apes down here to some of these very advanced, benevolent ET civilizations that are watching us. And it's very much up to us as being the ground crew here on planet Earth. And I do believe we've come down here with an assignment and we've volunteered for this. And it's a tough assignment. I just saw this great quote by Dolores Cannon pertaining to the whole idea of prison planet, that this is such a stark third dimensional reality. It's so in your face down here. It's one of the hardest places of all. 
that only the strongest came down here to volunteer for this mission, that we knew it was going to be hard. And we could get trapped here quite easily, and most do, and can never escape. But what I'm telling you here is from the heart, Michael, and I know you understand this, Yes. that you have to put yourself out there sometimes and just say, here it is. This is what it it's all about. And when it pertains to us viewing what we've seen in the sky, yeah, we'll open ourselves up to ridicule, but hey, it's our truth. And you should always speak your truth and stand by it. I agree. And I say that all the time here on the show to sort of uh, speak the truth, no matter how bad it hurts. And uh, yes, I will open up with you right now. And uh, tell you this, the last 72 hours I've experienced have been quite bizarre, uh, Brad, but I had a sort of remedy towards all that, and I'll explain in a moment, but it came via accident after I was hanging out with uh, two of my friends. You know, they gave me um, some edibles, which I thought were edibles, but um, I sort of took the wrong box by mistake. And what I thought I was getting, I actually turned out to be a, a psychedelic mushroom that comes in the form of a chocolate bar. So, oh boy. yeah, I didn't know that was going to happen, but I accidentally was hanging out with a couple of my friends who, you know, I, I mentioned them here on the program before. Um, I said, these are a couple of my, couple of my buddies I've known for a while and, they are very much into psychedelics. I'm not, though. I'm not really into that, to be honest. But they are. They are. And these are the people I've mentioned them on the show before. Yes, these are the psychedelic freaks out here in the desert who, you know, they watch Seinfeld on DVD. That show. Yeah. So you hear that all the time over there. So I was, I was visiting these folks and I... What I thought were just, you know, normal edibles, it turned out to be, you know, psychedelic uh, mushrooms, basically. And to be honest with you, Brad, I'm glad I took it unknowingly. <laughs> I'm glad I did because I was feeling really, really bad. I, I don't know what was going on with me. I, I was having these weird, even before I took the mushrooms, I was having this weird sort of like flashbacks and they were intense. Uh, you know, I was thinking about every relationship I've ever had, every friendship I've ever had, and all these things were flashing by in my head in a matter of seconds. It was pretty damn intense. And I know that might not resonate with all of you out there. I understand. I understand, but for some odd reason, I did feel pain and sorrow for, um, like, every life uh, connected to me, Brad. It was pretty insane. Mm. I don't know what was going on with me. You're having another one of those uh, bright white light in the room moments, being uh, uh, you know, st being seen by uh, multi-dimensional or ultra-terrestrials. I do <laughs> believe they exist, just as extraterrestrials come from the sky, inter-terrestrials come from this earth, ultra-terrestrials could come from a multitude of dimensions. Right, and no, I was not hanging out with anyone by the way i wasn't hanging out with you know i wasn't seeing these people i just ran in there and grabbed what i did i wasn't actually you know planning any of this i didn't even know what i ate till much later till i actually looked at the box i you know i ate a little square piece thinking this is this is normal but it wasn't normal but i'm glad i did it 
Um, but anyways, Brad, um, this sort of thing, you know, I was thinking about all kinds of stuff, like including my family, including like my uncle that I lost recently. I was just thinking like, my God, I lost all these close people in my life. Um, a little bit before COVID BC took place, Brad. But yes, um, yeah, and I'm sure you've experienced a lot of this too. You know, people are on the edge prior to COVID and even after COVID, you know, people are kind of insane now. I'm sure you've noticed that. Yeah, well, this is what all the prophecies said would happen as we ascend from 3D to 5D, that those who just can't handle this uh, new energy experience that we're going through are going to be in a real rough place. But those who can understand it and are open to it are going to have a much easier time on the uh, ascendance. Right. Right. But isn't it isn't it amazing, though, if you take something like that, you sort of start to appreciate everyone. Even your enemies. As you have to. There are no enemies anymore. Not yeah, Certainly true. not in the 5D. I mean, this, this is a realm of love and gratitude and peace that we want to bring to this earth. That's why we've been fought back so hard. That, that the, the powers that were are trying so hard to uh, keep us from this ascension because then we'll be able to see things for what they really are, and their game is over when that comes. It's already pretty much over for them anyways. Yes, long story short, though, Brad, you know, I appreciate everything and everyone now, more so than ever. Yep. Well, the good. You're on the path then, Michael. I think so. I have great love as well for all of humankind and Anytime I see a homeless person, I'll quickly give them a dollar or there's a way I can help. I'm all all about that. I'm looking for an opportunity to help. Very and nice. Yeah, there are jerks out there. They're mean people. Sometimes you got to stay away if somebody's uh, tweaking or whatever or having a, their moment. But um, somebody asks me for help, genuinely, I'll always be there to help. Very nice. And what's going on with you, Brad? When are you going to be speaking again? You mentioned contact in the desert again. Are you going to be out there this year? Well, it's going virtual. Virtual. Okay. So, yeah, yeah I've, uh, I'm doing a workshop on Antarctica called the Hidden Anomalies of Antarctica, the latest updates. That'll be on Friday. I'll also be at a uh, on a uh, panel on forbidden archaeology on the first Friday of contacting the desert. And a mixer that evening I'll make an appearance at. Uh, do my South America megaliths and mysteries on Sunday. Uh, my next live gig is going to be the Mount Shasta Summer Conference up at Mount Shasta at the end of August. And if anybody is thinking of going, they can use the promo code BRAD, B-R-A-D, and get a discount on their tickets. Uh, and I'm also going to be speaking in Laughlin at the Disclosure by the River in early November. Those are my big ones as far as uh, live events go, but boy, my schedule's quite booked with uh, other interviews and some other online conferences that I'll have coming up. If you want to know what I'm up to or some of the 
other projects I do, you can go check out bradolson.com and there's a page there with my uh, upcoming appearances on online or live conferences. Very nice. Once again, thank you so much for spending some of your time with us, Brad. We will definitely do this again on the other side. Oh, you bet, Michael. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, anytime you want to have me on, I'm happy to oblige. Yes. Thank you so much for being here, Brad, and um, putting up with my antics for a moment here. <laughs> hey, I'm uh, glad you shared it. And I, I felt good that I was able to say th- some things on your show tonight that I haven't brought up on any other interviews. So uh, you have a good way of bringing that out in people and making them feel safe about talking about some of their innermost thoughts and private things in their lives. Thank you so much, Brad. I know this will resonate with a lot of people out there and I'll talk to you again very soon, my friend. I will bring you back on, but of course I will be bothering you later on about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> all right. Anytime, Michael. All right, brother. Great Take to care. Talk to you tonight and you have a great night. Thank you so much. Good night and stay safe out there. Thank you, my friend. Mahalo. I'll do that. Bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was Mr. Brad Olson. My God, what a guest. Did you enjoy that? I know I did. I know I did. I was just thinking, has COVID really changed me as a person? Has it changed anyone else around you? It's changed some people that I know significantly. But that's what happens. You know, I will contribute that to, um, of course... The, the circumstances that we all face, COVID and just the uncertainty of it all. Everyone is sort of in this sort of like um, survival mode, in, uh, essentially. But yes, I like to think that I remain quite rational throughout this entire experience, this sort of experiment that we are all going through right now. The bottom line is that I was sort of out of balance I was out of balance, but now I am back on board, back with all of you out there, and I sort of appreciate everything again. I sort of appreciate the man standing in the mirror once again. You know, I got that sort of a thing back in me. Not quite sure what the hell that is, but I feel sort of rejuvenated, boys and girls. I really do. I really do. And I'm looking at the time. It's almost that time to shut it down to... Pull this thing down faster than a Chinese hospital. But we've got a few more emails to comb through here for you. Oh, yes. It's not over just yet. It's not over just yet. And I think somebody was calling in, but um, I did not answer. I apologize. Yes, you could have called in. You could have. And you did. But I ignored you. I apologize for that. This whole conversation was so profound to me that I I just couldn't answer your call. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Next time I'll I'll take calls, though, and, uh, you know, I will answer your call. Um, uh, Max, what, what are you saying? You are on... What is that? Oy vey, shut it down. Well, we're not shutting it down just yet, but yes, shout out to Original Larry, Asuka, Dr. Strange Love, Max, 
and some other fellow there that I can't read that that name there. That's a little too hard for me to read in this state of mind. But know that I am looking at you. Yes, good grief indeed. Yes, that name right there. How the hell am I? Bugaloo whatever? Bugaloo 2? I'm not quite sure who you are, but we welcome you with open arms here on the program. Thanks for stomping in and hanging out with us here. Yes, we're going to read some emails and that we'll get down. We will get down. That's right. Uh, this one comes in from Cassidy. She chimes in with, why is the host making the show a debate against religion? Oh my, guys. This sounds like someone who stumbled upon the show for the very first time. And she was offended. Offended. Good, good. We like that. We like when you are offended here on the program. We we appreciate that. Yes, we do. Bravo. We completed the task. If a show doesn't drive your emotions up and down, then that show, I'm afraid, isn't very good. If nothing has made you laugh, smile, cry on this program, then I'm not that I'm not doing it right. And listen, I wasn't debating. I don't really debate anyone here on the show. I was simply I was simply adding a dialogue that would further entice the listeners and the conversation. I'm sure many of you already know that sort of thing. You know, sometimes I have to stir up sort of uh, stir up the uh, the drama sometimes you know we have to kick it up here we're only audio folks so we have to say all kinds of crazy shit here on the program to make it exciting for the live listener original larry we love you michael yes i love you too love all of you praise jesus yes praise jesus that's right but yes back on track here Back on track here. I'm sure that listener didn't hear the entire conversation before they rage quit. Before they took the time to go to michaeldeacon.com and send in this uh, this email here. <laughs> Pour your hate onto me. Remember, I love the admiration, but I enjoy the anger and the hate. Love the hate. Love the hate and the dislike. It all comes from the same place. It all comes from the same place. And it fills my blackened heart with joy. Moving along. Oh, look, we have a nice one here. Got a nice email here. This is from uh, George in Reno. Wow, Reno. I'll take a drink of beer for, for you out there in Reno suffering. Who the hell wants to be out there in Reno? I know I don't. I'd rather be here in this sort of hell hole that I'm in. It's nicer. I think most places are nicer than Reno, by the way. That's a a land you don't want to get lost in, folks. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go there. So, yes. George in Reno chimes in with, Hello, Michael and Mike. Yeah, Mike isn't here, by the way. He says, We listen to your show at work, me and a few co-workers of mine. We listen uh, when, when we're working. We listen to you when we're out delivering. Uh, oh, I can't say that. Can't say that one there, but yes, they deliver stuff. Okay. <laughs> Mike Hideous is a very talented artist, and I've been meaning to call in and talk to you guys for a long time. Keep up the fantastic work, and I have subscribed on Patreon. Thank you both. Well, thanks, George. 
always nice to hear some positive words, and I agree, Mike is a true artist, a painter, a musician, an animal rescuer. Love Mike a lot. Should have brought him on here tonight, but I felt like he needed a rest from everything that's been going on with Mr. Mike Hideous. He's, he's been experiencing some drama uh, with the band. I don't think I could really talk too much about that sort of thing, but there is some drama going on. And uh, yes, I, I will let him tell that if he ever wants to. I'm not quite sure what's going to go on, but yes, we do miss Mike. Here are the birds. Yes, we miss the birds since he's not here. You have to put that drop up there for him in his memory. Yes, and for those that don't know, you, you sometimes hear that sort of thing here on the program when Mike is on. He has all these birds, and this is what you hear, normally. I love it, though. It's a good time. We love Mike. He's a good guy. I've known him for over 10 years, by the way. Never met him, though. I want to. I want to meet the guy before I leave this realm. I'll have to meet Mike. There's a few people I would like to meet before I die. And Mike, he allows me to uh, torture him on the program, on the air. And I thank him for that. He's a great guy. Great guy. Once again, thank you, George. I really appreciate that email. Thank all of your coworkers for me. Hopefully they hear this themselves. You know, I always imagine people listening to this program in their cars, at work. It's amazing. It really is. And uh, yes, we are running out of time here, folks. Time is not on our side. And I believe we do have uh, some clips here to play. We have some crazy folks, some um, crazy QAnon stuff. It's always a good time to hear those folks out there. I think we do have some clips here. Let's, let's take a peek. I hope I save these clips properly for you folks, or else we don't have any clips and I'm just talking nonsense here. You don't want that. Oh, wait, I, I saved the day. I saved the day. Here we have a... Yes, Greg Harvey. There we go. I found it. He's a QAnon conspiracy theorist. Yes, this is from the Greg Harvey show, I guess it's called. Uh, and, and this guy talking praying medic. Praying medic. I'm sure some of you have heard of this name. Let's hear what he has to say. And by the way, this guy here that I'm looking at, he has like a green beard. Uh, I really don't know why he dyed his beard green. I don't know what the... I was going to say the F word, but I'll be polite. I don't really know what the hell he was thinking when he dyed his beard green. Holy shit. Would you dye your beard one of these um, these loud colors these very loud obnoxious colors would you do that to your beard at home I, I mean why would you want to go why would you leave the house with a green beard look like an idiot <laughs> but yes let's hear what he what, let's hear what these boys have to say it's important for um any movement to have both extremes and the moderates because the people on the extreme, they force it, the establishment to negotiate with the moderates, mm -hmm. right? So if we're in the mo if we're the moderates, if we're in the middle, 
if we're advocating uh, peaceful means to transform the country, the establishment is going to have to negotiate with us because they don't want to negotiate with the people who are advocating violence. Mm-hmm. And that's just how, how society works. It, it's, it's necessary to have the extremes. It's necessary to have people that are, you know, calling for violence. I, I'm not saying that we should, but those people force the establishment to negotiate with rational people like us who are nonviolent. Oh, okay. That make that made plenty of sense, right? To a crazy person. <laughs> this guy is insane. I don't agree with anything he just said there. But yes, that is Prane Medic, by the way. He is a bit of an idiot. And this uh, green beard guy, you can go check him out at subscribestar.com slash green beard. So that's sort of like his angle. That's his gimmick, a green beard. <laughs> so many jokes, but I will sort of leave it alone. Leave it alone. I mean, imagine being that guy waking up every day with a green beard. Just think about that for a minute. Who wakes up every day and has to dye their beard green? Only an idiot. That's who. Only an idiot. I think we do have someone else here. Let's see. Who else do we got here that's been going kind of nutty? Let's let's look. Let it oh look, we got one. We've got a live one here, folks. We got a live one. Holy shit, let we got one. Bishop Larry Gators. Yes. He's claiming Tom Hanks, Joe Biden, Bill, and Hillary Clinton are all dead, and they were replaced by clones. That's Bishop Larry Gators. Obviously, he's he's been doing more than just a couple mushrooms. He's been smoking other stuff, doing other things. We don't know what he's been doing, but this guy is um, pretty crazy. Let's hear what he's got going on. Tom Hanks is dead. Newsflash. Oh, my. <laughs> Tom Hanks is dead. That's right. Dead. Joe Biden is dead. He's dead. Yes. Okay. Joe Biden. The, the Clintons are dead. The Clintons okay? are dead. Yes. You got clones running this country. Clone right. war. See, I got the testicular fortitude to no say shit. what needs to be said. Why? Okay. Because I'm a man of God. He's a man Amen. of God. You have to. Truth. Truth you got these pumpified pre. Well, I, I, I don't want to lose my 501c3. Oh, come so on. we have to use wisdom. Stop, okay? You need to sit down and shut up. Yes. That's right. That's right. That's okay. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Trump is surrounded by the military mm-hmm. at Mar a Lago. Yes. That's Trump right. has the nuclear codes. That's right. Trump has the military who turned their back on Joe Biden. That's right. right. That's right. And Trump has Air Force One. Patriots, QAnons, President Trump is still the president. President Trump, still the president. Yeah. That's where we're at in uh, 2021. Good times. And we will leave you with a parting gift of um, Paula White. I mean, who does not want to hear this? When I walk on White House grounds, God walks on White House grounds. Right and authority to declare the White House as holy ground because I was standing there and where I stand is holy.
saying no to President Trump would be saying no to God. And and I won't do that. We are in a spiritual war right now. Let every demonic network that has aligned itself against the purpose, against the calling of President Trump, let it be broken. Let it be torn down in the name of Jesus. You want me to tell you what my thoughts are? The thoughts of the King of Kings, the thoughts of the Lord of Lords. I'm downloading heaven. I kind of know I'm a little bit cute, all right? I am Paula who is pretty. Well, maybe I'm not going to be pretty when I'm 90 years old. Here's this former messed up Mississippi girl lived in a trailer that they called trailer trash. Daddy committed suicide, got pregnant out of wedlock, been married, been divorced, not just once, you know, twice. People go, well, how'd you become the spiritual advisor to the president? We'll get to that later. It's all in there. Michael Jackson, Kid Rock, the president, it's all in there, all right? Thank you, Paula. What a great job you do, the evangelicals. I hear we're more popular than ever with the evangelicals. You're the only one that she'll tell the truth. She'll only tell the truth. Southern California is looking at, well, there's already law that's passed through the governor that says the Bible is a book of hate speech and to ban the sale of it. Snapchat was created as the largest human trafficking because the greatest people on there were human traffickers because the FBI and because intelligence could not do it because it's live and it's real time and they can track your kid in less than a second and take them. If there's a department of treasury in heaven that God is watching over everything you do and you are storing up eternal treasure that will go so far beyond I think that we can even begin to imagine do you need to send in $3,500 you won't hear this shit at Walmart that's for sure once again I do want to thank all of you for being a part of the program those of you in the chat and uh, before I shut this down I do want to thank all of you freaks out there for hanging out with me you know I needed to say all these things out here I needed to sort of clear the mind and I hope this did in fact resonate with some of you out there I know some of you will hate this some of you will hate everything that's okay I hate you too I have the right to hate you and I hope this message does find those who need it also to those on patreon hang tight I've got a lot of content coming your way don't worry and again I do of course have Oli Damagard who will be making his return Marshall Masters will jump back on again in due time, some some um, internet issues plagued his last appearance on the Patreon series, but don't worry, he will return, and we'll get that uh, hammered out in due time. International listeners out there, Guten Morgen, and uh, and um, yes, Guten Morgen. I was forgetting who else I was gonna thank in another language, but I completely blanked out there. I'm not quite sure who else I was gonna thank. But I am just taken back by all the kind of war messages. I'm so baffled that there are so many of you out there in different countries who listen to the show. Shout out to uh, Sweden, Germany, and those of you in the UK. And of course, Australia, I see you out there. And those of you in the Netherlands, that's right. The Netherlands love you. I see you out there in Russia, too. I'm blown away that all of you out there are even listening to the show and listening to a madman possessed. I really appreciate that. I really do. I really do. Thank you guys. Keep keep pushing uh, and fighting the good fight. Keep 
promoting this program. I really do appreciate that. And remember, you too can subscribe to the Patreon series, patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And yes, that is where rain, well, actually not rain, that is where gold falls from the sky like rain, yes. And Max Egan, you know, it's funny you say that in the chat room, by the, by the way. Max Egan, um, he thought he was going to be on tonight, and actually, he's actually scheduled for tomorrow night, but, you know, he is in Australia, I'm in America, so time's got a little funky there, but don't worry, we will bring him back on in due time. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with me and putting up with all my nonsense. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. And it's an honor to sort of be that voice in your head for a few hours. Those of you that listen to the podcast version of this program on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, what have you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you do like the show and you want bonus content, please go to Patreon and sign up. The link will be in the description. Once again, boys, it's been fun, but I got to shut it down here. Like Larry Silverstein. That's right. Once again, stay safer. No matter where you are on this island Earth, I'm Michael Deacon. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.